Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. So, hello. We're back. We're back for episode three. More importantly, if you're listening to this, you are also back for episode three. So, um, we ended the last episode uh, asking for feedback and asking for um your suggestions of what we should talk about next. And um, we also ended the last episode on talking about our fourth principle of investing, which is to make a positive impact. And we've had some feedback about um, what wanted us to go into that in a bit more detail and talk around the topic of, um, you know, the move towards more positive um impact investing and some of the terms associated with that and some of the ways that uh, perhaps people's perceptions of what's going on at the moment is that you know there's a lot of noise but is it actually delivering proper impact so we wanted to just go back and uh, start from the basics of impact investing as we said you know this podcast is going to be uh, is going to be all about impact investing long term investing and and what we and the way that we view how people should be investing their own money um and yeah so this episode is going to be all about impact investing and uh tom what is impact investing you've got me already I don't know. um so impact investing is investing for financial return we would say at least market rate financial return which i'll explain in a second um so financial return plus the desire to make a measurable intentional positive impact as well at the same time so it's investing in companies to earn money but only investing in companies that are doing something which is intentionally and properly addressing um, a major world issue um some people map those world issues against something called the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, basically the UN mapping out what they think are the most pressing things in the world. Um, we don't do that specifically, but a lot of the investments that we make have a huge tie over to those, to those major issues. But we cover it across people and planets, so climate and, and, and non-climate impact areas. And we think that covers the, the full spectrum of impact um, in the way that we do it. Um, so that's the basic definition. That's how we make investments. But the important thing for, for us is the version that we do and the version that we have history in doing with our, with our jobs is aiming to earn at least market rate financial return with the investments that you make, i.e. That, that basically means what you'd expect to get from the stock market generally, we expect to get um, at least that from impact investing. And we would actually go further and say that over the long term, there's a real strong returns argument for certain forms of impact investing, which will come to the kind of ones that we do. So with impact investing, obviously, it's, it's, that, it's that linking where you're putting your own money um, <clears throat> to the, the causes that you want to uh, either address or, or make better, et cetera, et cetera. But... Why would why why should that be in a um I suppose the question is why why should that be something that you invest towards? Why is that not a case for governments to solve? Is it not a case for charities to solve some of these issues? And why isn't why shouldn't you as an individual make your sole reason for investing to make money? Mm -hmm. And and are those two objectives different? Yeah. So actually, I mean there's probably a couple of angles to that. One is look at it purely from a returns basis. So 
How how we originally came to this was looking at some long term investable future themes in our in our previous in our previous jobs, and in researching those long term investable future themes, what we realised is the vast majority of them were underpinned by some pressing social or environmental issue, and therefore represented both great long term return potential and also the chance to invest in something, invest in a company, invest in a set of companies, a theme that creates a better future. And if you think about it like that, the two are linked in kind of an obvious way. So you're, you're, you're trying to earn money for the long term, but what better way to do that purely from returns perspective than investing in companies that are addressing these big problems in society and that are addressing them in a scalable, profitable way using technology and scaling those solutions so they create a better and more prosperous future for, for the people and, and planet, um, but importantly, earn financial returns. It, when we were looking at that, and when we used to look at that, we couldn't see a separation in them. And there are probably a few non-impact future mega themes that you can find, but the vast majority of them, the 10 or so we used to invest in and the ones that we invest in today are overwhelmingly about positive impact because there is no separation between the two if you think about returns over a super long time period. So that's one thing. The second thing I would say is why else would, why, why else would this be a thing that you do with your money? Well, if you think of it from a from a, from an impact perspective, the amount of money that needs to flow towards solving these problems can only be partially addressed by governments and charities. The vast majority of that money needs to come from the private sector. So there needs to be a profit motive and a return seeking motive that goes towards solving these problems. And the vast majority of that cannot be expected to come from governments and, and charities because of the size of, of those institutions. So it needs to come from the private sector. So, Tom, as you say, when, when we look at impact investing, we, we, we split split the world up into yeah. themes around people and planet. Um, I think, obviously, climate change and, and the climate is, is probably the number one issue mm-hmm. um, facing, facing us as a, as a species. And, and um, I think sometimes it's easy to, to just associate impact investing with just the climate. Um, but it's much broader than that, isn't it, really? And as, as you said before, you know, lots of different inv- types of investors use different, what they'd call a framework, as in what are the themes that we're trying mm-hmm. to address. But maybe it's worth us just digging into those a bit more and sort of expanding beyond climate. What This is why it's not called climate change investing. Yeah. It's why it's called impact investing, which is short for positive impact. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a broad spectrum. Climate is the most... I suppose in the spotlight one, and it's become the one that people associate this form of investing with. But it, but it's, it's probably half at most, if not less than half, from the way some people do it. If you look at a lot of impact investment funds, I would say two thirds of those funds tend to be in non-impact areas. So the catch-all areas that we would look at would be areas that cover things like life essentials. So example, investing in sustainable and modern affordable housing, um, things like education. So investing kids and, and people that would otherwise not get access to world-leading education, tending, tending to do it in a digital way, in a technology-driven way, um, access to, to, to water as a life essential. Um, so those are the areas, those are one huge area of, of, of impact investments, which actually come with a lot of really inspiring stories of the, of the companies you can invest in, the people's lives that can be uh, impacted. And I think in a lot of ways, 
those stories in, in that bucket, the Life Essentials bucket, are much more empowering and understandable for the average investor than, than some of the climate change metrics and impact that you can have, which are all about CO2 avoidance or reduction. So the idea that you can educate millions of kids um, has a real immediate impact to people when they see that. So that's, a, that's an area that, that's a huge focus. And the other, the other third, I would say, is like a human empowerment area. So access to banking, access to financial uh, services. So the, that's a that, that's a huge thing that a lot a lot of um, I think a lot of people in this country and, and and a lot of Europe and North America may take for granted. But access to services um, like bank accounts, um, access to the internet can have a massive transformative impact on, on communities that don't have those. And so that's another uh, huge area. So if you look at how we are actually going to evolve our offering in the future, along the lines of planet and people, um, we were looking at, obviously, there's a, there's, a, there's a climate component of that, which is along the areas of climate innovation. So companies that are innovating in, in key areas of the climate, we're looking at resources and the future of resources and then thriving ecosystems. That's how we think about climate and, and, and planet. And the other areas are, are, are people, which is health revolution. So healthcare being a huge component part of that, that would be more in the life essentials area. And then the human future, which covers things like housing and, and education and, uh, and, and innovation in those areas too. So there's a, there's a massive breadth and depth outside of climate. And I think that a lot of those areas are more engaging um, because I think you know, people can recognize the impact of them more immediately. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, some, some of them are way easier to invest in than, than others in terms of the amount of companies that are out there, you know, health, Healthcare, obviously, not every healthcare company that's listed listed on a, a stock exchange is necessarily a, what you'd class as a positive impact to, um, healthcare company. But you know, there's a lot of healthcare companies out there. There's a lot of renewable energy companies out there. There's a lot. There's a there's a lot to go out there. And then there's other areas that perhaps when you on the face of it, you'd look at it and say, well where could I invest my money to support, say, ecosystems? Mm-hmm. Not not one, one that naturally springs to mind, but I suppose what what we're trying to do when we, we think about um, the offering that we make available to, to people is that you know, it goes back to what we were talking about in the last episode about diversification. Yeah. And I think it's important to look for these areas, whether they're small or large areas of the, of, of the market, um, to to try and get some diversification and to try and make your your own investment portfolio not not only diversified but also diversified in terms of risk but also diversified in terms of the amounts of different impacts mm-hmm. and types of impact that you can have via the investments that you're holding so um yeah i think that's important i think i think the other thing that the, the big distinction that we need to make is in terms of all of the areas that we've just talked about are where companies are actively trying to have a positive impact in that yeah. area yeah so this is not the case of picking say the least worst companies mm-hmm. when it comes to climate um and it's not a case of picking the least worst when it comes to you know ecosystems or things like that but it's actually trying to pick out companies from either a big pool or a small pool where their where their business model is inherently trying to yeah. address that issue yeah. or at least a, a huge chunk of their business model is yeah. trying to inherently address that issue and that sort of brings us on to the next bit which is terms that people may associate with impact investing if they've looked into this for themselves but areas like sri yeah. socially responsible investing and esg yeah. which is an area that I know you have a strong opinion on. Sorry. 
<laughs> so, uh, what's the difference between, yeah. in order to bring out the hatred, what's the difference between impact and ESG? And I think the important thing here is, I've spoken to people, I've spoken to a lot of people who have selected, say, the ethical option mm. or the ESG option or the SRI option when they've gone to an investment platform. And what they think they're getting yeah. is an impact portfolio. Yeah. Why aren't they? Yeah, I think that's that's why I would get, and we would get so annoyed by these other terms because it's not that they're inherently bad practices, which we'll explain in a second, but they're just definitely not impact investing. And most people, when they think about investing this way, they actually want impact, but they often get sold something entirely different. So social responsible investing, SRI, or ethical as it's sometimes referred to, is the practice of screening out some com- some companies based on um, your beliefs, some some moral standing. It was actually invented by the Church of England uh, endowment, and they didn't want to invest in tobacco companies, uh, gambling companies, etc. So you tend to just get rid of some companies, and you're left with some other companies at the end of it. So that's not saying that the other companies you're left with are, are positive or bad for the world or, or whatever. It's just that you've got rid of some that you just want to avoid, and then you're left with some stuff. So there's very little in terms of a investment case for those kinds of uh, strategies. It's purely based on I will not invest in these things mainly for some kind of moral or belief system reasons, and that's how that's used. And it's been used since the 90s. Um, ESG or environmental, social, and governance, it, importantly, is a risk framework that is used by the asset management industry. And what I mean by that is it's a way of investment managers assessing if a company is exposed to some environmental, social, or governance risk through how they operate. So for example, on governance, the G practice has been, is as old as capital markets investing. You're always looking to invest in companies with good good governance. One example is the separation of the roles of CEO and chairman is seen as good from a governance perspective. And so, if, so governance is just just how run a company, how well yeah. how well run the company yeah, is, exactly. how, you know whether 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 this is you know whether there's potential conflicts of interest to arise exactly. and how how they sort out their remuneration and their audit and all of the sort of nuts and bolts of running a company, yeah. rather than rather than. Uh, anything to do with what the actual company does. Yeah, it's not about what the company sells. It's not about what the company is uh, was founded to do, what problem it was founded to solve. Um, it's all about what, assessing whether or not that company is a good corporate citizen. Is it generally well run? And is it unnecessarily exposed to any of these three risks, environmental, social, and governance, through anything that it does? Yeah. Um, and so that's how those two are so distinct from impact investing because the starting point is entirely different. Impact investing is, can we find some companies who are selling a product and service that directly addresses a world problem, a major issue that we're trying to get investment exposure to and that we're trying to solve? That is not what SRI, ethical, or ESG is. And that's why when you look at the, you look at an impact investment fund and you look at an ESG investment fund, one with an ESG label, you often see in ESG funds, you know, the big banks, big tech companies, because a big bank, for example, may have a very, very decent ESG score, no major environmental risks, no major social uh, risks, and the governance now, how it's run since the financial crisis, generally very, very good. So they score well on ESG criteria, and therefore they fit into an ESG fund, whereas impact investment funds, if they're well-constructed and they're not kind of greenwashing, you would never, ever find those companies because the product and service they're selling is not linked in any way to a major problem being addressed. 
Yeah, so I think I think people may be surprised if they currently hold an ESG fund or portfolio <laughs> that if they actually look at the underlying companies, yeah. and look at the top holdings of those, yeah, then you know it's not it's not um, too uncommon to find you know even oil companies in yeah. some of those in some of those in some of those portfolios because especially where. Um, some ESG funds will try and include companies from every sector, yeah. or they'll try and replicate the, the world stock market. So they won't exclude sectors even. They'll just go for the what I said before, the least worst option. So again, if you look at if you look at that, you know, if you're a large uh, company listed on a major stock exchange, you're gonna you're gonna score well on yeah. governance most of the time because yeah. they all incorporate, you know. Uh, standard practices on, on governance and things like that. And then the other the other aspects of environmental and social are just risk weighted and risk scored. Yeah. So if, if you're looking for if you're looking to include every sector in, in a ESG fund, you just have to go for the the the, the least risky yeah. oil company from that yeah. point of view. Yeah. Um, I think this this practice of, of making funds like this um, and labeling them as ESG or this is now sustainable. Sometimes that word gets thrown in there when it means, when it's ESG. is very very common in in pension schemes, uh, workplace pension funds. So everybody working in the UK at the moment has their existing workplace pension, and they probably have old workplace pensions too. And the ethical option that you may have ticked or the ESG option is likely still investing in a lot of companies that you don't want to invest in because this is how those funds are built. This is the kind of framework. For building those funds so a lot of people see it as the box ticked but at the end of the day you're not really investing in anything that you otherwise wouldn't be maybe not the worst in those industries but you're still investing in a lot of industries that you, that you really don't want to yeah and i think it's all sort of like the um i think i think certain certain places in the industry view it as a as a little bit of a get out of jail free yeah. as in we don't have to change the way that yeah. we invest money we don't have to change our methodologies we don't have to change the way that we think about geographies or you know whether we invested stocks or bonds etc all we have to do is once we've built the investment portfolio the way we always have done we shove it through the esg score and and we and we just you know we make sure that we've ticked that box if you like yeah. and then the marketing team can put a load of messaging around how this is the way to align with your values or you know yeah. build a better world and all the rest of it but actually what they've done is at best a third of the assessment has gone on environment anyway yeah some of it, and a third of it's just gone on does the company have a good governance structure yeah um and and you know the rest is is, is through the social lens and, and it's all through a risk weighted lens yeah so i think it's you know and this this I'm not saying every fund that, that does this is, is what you call greenwashing. Yeah. Some of them just plainly state ESG. Yeah. I think the issue, though, with the term greenwashing, which is basically saying something is green or has green yeah. credentials when perhaps it doesn't, mm. is that the term ESG is being drawn in with, with all of this marketing around it in a lot of cases where people are almost overselling it. They're yeah. overselling what it actually is. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it as a practice to no. say, We've we've done some extra risk assessment on this investment to see how it how these factors could potentially affect you as an investor from a risk perspective. Yeah. But then if you then go and hand it over to the marketing team and they sell it as something that's changing the world, yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't quite fit. The marketing teams know that the impact 
kind of story resonates. Yeah. So they make ESG sound like it's impact investing, but it, yeah. it's not. It's just what you said. It's it's a it's a, it's a checklist item in a in a in a long list of what investment managers may use to say that they've, they've, they've considered these risks or not. Um, it's by no means the driving factor. But then what happens is the marketing department make it all look like impact investing. And that is the mis-selling, that is the green. So I'm going to put you on the spot. How can someone who is trying to invest their own money sort of screen out what has been greenwashed and what is genuinely a decent fund that they might want to put their think, money in? I think the easiest way, the, 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 the cheat code way without going into methodologies and documentation is... Which nobody wants to do. No one wants to do, not even, not even, <laughs> even me with my own personal money, is look at the top five or top ten holders that are disclosed. Yeah. I mean, if you see big tech companies, big bank companies, some oil companies getting there, I would pause and have a little look at you know yeah. what that fund is and what it's set up to do. Yeah. And then if you see companies that you maybe don't recognize and you have a little Google and they sound, you know, the, the you know, you know, big wind energy providers, they are companies clearly tackling a major social issue, you've probably got a fund that's constructed in the right way. Yeah, and and, and what you find with those funds is that because they all they all invest on a company size basis, that you end up seeing the same company. You yeah. can you can tell what how how rigorous the the, the methodology is because if you just end up with the biggest companies in the world as the top 10 holdings in the fund, <laughs> then you know that there's not been a truly rigorous yeah. filtering process gone on because you've just yeah. ended up with the biggest of the biggest in the, you know, the biggest in the world or the biggest in the fund. Yeah. So if you see names like Alphabet, if you see names like Microsoft, yeah. um, you know, not saying these companies are doing inherent, you know, anything inherently bad, yeah. but, uh, you know, is, is, there a, is there an impact argument there? Yeah. You, know, um, you know, and if you see stuff like, oil companies in there then you know that this is not yeah a, you know that the fund that you're investing in doesn't have you know a best doesn't have real environmental intent behind yeah. its its implementation yeah and so, that's about and, and and that is honestly the vast majority of funds that are out that are labeled esg sustainable there are some genuine ones that don't tend to use those labels they will use the impact label because that's a lot more policed as a label so just do that little bit of due diligence for yourself and make sure you're investing in what you think you you should be so we come back on to impact investing as a as a as a um let me try and calm down now uh, <laughs> we've we've Okay, really bad. <laughs> is you know you're looking now for companies. Then, if you if you want to be an impact investor, you you know you, you've uh, you've discounted ESG, you've discounted SRI, and you've just made the, the choice that you want to put your money into only the investments that are actively working towards having a positive impact in the world through their business model. Mm-hmm. Then there's a sort of there's different ways that you can impact yeah. invest, and I suppose, as an individual, you have to also, you have to try and think about how you can achieve everything you want to achieve from an impacted perspective, but also go back to the primary reason why the vast vast majority of people invest their money, which is to make make yeah. a financial return, is yeah. to make money for themselves and to grow their own pot yeah. that they so they you know often into retirement and that type of thing. Yeah, but there's some there's some things that you probably want to think about. It's not just right now go out and buy every impact investing that you can possibly, every impact investment that you can yeah. possibly lay your hands on. Yeah. You also have to think about some of the the, the investment considerations yeah. and, and, yeah. And, and it's sometimes referred to as like a spectrum of impact when you're thinking about this type of thing. Yeah, so I mean, we do one specific form of, of uh, impact investing on that spectrum, which we'll, we'll try to explain, which is we invest in companies listed on the stock market that are intentionally set up to have a positive impact. So we're investing in 
um, tends to be later stage, large businesses. And because they're on the stock market, they're very liquid, i.e. you can buy and sell those investments whenever you want. And that form of investing, stock market-based investing, is where the vast majority of people, whether they have it personally or within their pension funds, kind of have to have their money because of that liquidity reason. You can't have everything that you're investing in locked away in a private small business because that carries with it some uh, risks in terms of liquidity uh, and other risks. So on the one side of the spectrum, you've got investing in impact investment companies on the stock market, big, later stage, liquid, and then you've got all the way right down to the side which is, you know, an example could be investing in a small business in a, in, a, in, a, in a local part of, say, for example, the UK that's building its first affordable house. You're yeah. taking an investment in that business. Now, the impact of that money in that small business of building that first house is obviously very, very deep, but the, the risk to you is much, much larger um, and because of the liquidity risk and the state of the company risks. Um, and there's probably a limited amount of, of money you could invest if you're investing in those companies. So you can't put all your money there for all those reasons. And so that's why it's called the spectrum of impact, because the further down you go, you can have more impact, definitely, but you cannot do it with the vast majority of your money because of those risk reasons. So that's why we focus on this specific area, because it's the area where most people will have most of their money. And it's also the most sensible area to, to, to invest in, especially if you're an everyday retail investor, especially if you're relatively new to investing too. So that's kind of the, the spectrum as we see it, um, going down to the riskier, smaller end on the other side. Yeah, so you know, as a, as a either as a, a first time investor or even if you're more experienced investing yeah. in the stock market, I think it's still important to think about those just basic investment considerations um, that that apply. You know, if you, if your objective is to grow your money over the long term for yourself, then you know you should you should think about. I suppose it's the accessibility of those yeah. of those investments. Really, it's how you know if you wanted to get your money out for whatever reason, or you wanted to sell and change into a different investment, then how easily can that happen? Yeah. How visible are the details of the of the investment, and how you know how how risky would you consider it? So I suppose um, you know in terms of of just ordinary people in the UK, there's options in terms of stock market investing type of impact investing, the type of thing that we offer. And then I suppose if 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 if, if you refer to some of the, the smaller things that you were talking about, it's things like crowdfunding platforms, yeah. it's things like um, micro loans and those type of things. Yeah. I'm not discounting those as 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 a investments at all but I suppose it's if you're thinking about where the bulk of your yeah. investment portfolio goes as an individual it would have to be towards the what you said was the, the sort of higher end of the yeah. spectrum it's yeah. the more liquid it's the bigger companies it's the more long term um, yeah you know, that's where you should be putting your money for the long term really yeah um, and then if you if you if you have particular causes or uh, smaller companies that you want to back from a sort of personal point of view yeah it's important not to probably too much of your eggs in those baskets yeah 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 and then that's how we've kind of approached it with our own personal money the vast majority of our money is in the is in the is in the listed larger section of impact investing and we've done a few things that we think are interesting but we don't really view them as the main drivers of our own personal wealth in the future that comes from the bigger end of the impact investment spectrum where we operate yeah so um probably a good place to wrap up and uh just Summarise that you know we are 
we are looking there at impact investing, so investments that make a positive return through their business model. It's inherent in what they do, uh, which is distinct from ESG, SRI, and um, you know where those funds sell themselves as doing more than just de-risking certain aspects. Uh, that's that's what we we call greenwashing. Yep. Um, and as a as an individual investor, if you if you're you know if you're sold on the idea of impact investing, it's important to consider those investments as investments as well, and yeah. not just from an impact perspective. But it has to be from both. Yeah. It has to tick all the boxes from what you need from an investment, and tick all the boxes from what you want from from impact. So there we are, as always, unedited, <laughs> unscripted, um, and we welcome feedback, both positive and negative. We won't read the negative. Well, direct them to Matt. That would be a DM Matt email, I think. Um, but the way to get in touch is podcast at circa5000.com. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.